speaking to myself, telling me that I should settle for something that God didn't want for me. And that's when God gave me the story that, I, that I'm going to share with you all today. Is that cool? Cool as. And so Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through to 3 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And so Jesus is led into a situation where he is now vulnerable a place where he is now in need and a time where he is now hungry. He hasn't eaten in 40 days and 40 nights. And now for myself, that would be impossible. You know, I I love a good cooked rump steak, you know, medium rare. Oh my goodness, I could not go without that for 40 days. And so the devil sees that Jesus is now vulnerable. The, the, The devil sees that Jesus is now in need and that he is now hungry. And so the devil appears and begins to test Jesus. What does he say? Turn these stones into loaves of bread. In other words, the devil is saying, manipulate this situation in your favor. In other words, the devil is saying, meet this need in your own strength. In other words, the devil is saying, take control of your own situation. Take control of your own life. Do it even though this may not be honoring to God. Do it even though this may not be what God wants for you. Do it even though that this may not be the path that God has for you. At least it will meet your need, the devil says. And so many times as followers of Jesus, I believe the devil shows up and he appears in our lives and begins to test us the same way that he tested Jesus. Tell these stones to become bread. In other words, manipulate the situation in your favor. You need money or take that job, take those extra hours, even if it causes you to miss out on Sunday. You've got an issue in your marriage, well, there's always the thought that you could just have a break, you know. The kids are, let's say the kids are rebelling they don't, need to, they don't need grace. Why not just leave them where they are at? You have a certain uh, a need. Well, manipulate the situation in your favor. Tell these stones to become bread, the devil says. And, but it's interesting because Jesus said in John 6, 35, that I am the bread of life. He is the bread of life. And that whoever comes to him will never be hungry. And whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. And Jesus is clearly saying, I am the bread of life. I am the bread you need. I am the one you need. I am the answer that you need. I am the answer to your marriage. I am the answer to your finances. I am the answer to your ministry, your family, your church. I am the answer to your life. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Amen. Fast forwarding a bit to Matthew 4, verse 4, we see Jesus said, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The question is, What does everyone need? What do you need in this place today? Perhaps you're sitting in this place and you need provision in some area. Perhaps you're sitting in this place and you need breakthrough in some area. Perhaps you're sitting in this place and you need healing in some area. Well, let me tell you that Jesus is your bread. But he's not just your bread. He is your answer. What does Jesus say? People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is the solution that you're looking for. Jesus is the strategy you're looking for. Jesus is the answer that you're looking for. Don't listen to the devil's voice no longer. Do not settle for the stones that the devil says are bread. Come on, instead go to Jesus because he has a word for you. 
And I believe that as you make time to seek Jesus' uh, face and seek his voice, that our God truly will speak to you in your most time of need. Amen? God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, we need you. Speak to us in our time of need, we pray. Help us to follow your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Great to be with you here in the house of God. And uh, wherever the church family is, that's where God is. And uh, it doesn't matter about the building. That's just what keeps us dry and warm. Uh, This is the church. It's the gathering of the people coming together to worship God and connect with God. Uh, I don't want to take too long uh, on the side issues, but I just want to give you a a few uh, thoughts before I get into the message. First, I want to introduce my guests. Um, I've got two here, men sitting in the front row. You just heard from Stan and Stan is 50% of my youth leadership team. His wife is the other 50%, and um, they run Oxygen Youth Napier, and uh, they're doing an absolutely fantastic job. And uh, so I brought him up to Life Conference with me this year because I wanted to rub shoulders with him and him with me for us to hang out together because he's one of my up-and-coming leaders, so we've got to really work together. And you heard from him today, he's got something and carrying something from God. So uh, I just want to give Stan a big honor and welcome here to us today. The the man beside him is Hugh. Hugh has become a friend of mine over the last 15 years. Uh, Every time we come to the Life Conference, and I've been coming for 15 to 20 years to the Life Conference, we have partnered with the Vietnamese church in South Auckland, and Hugh is, uh, I would, he, he's too humble to say this, but I would say he's the leading elder of the Vicar Church, the Vietnamese church, and uh, so a key leader in that um, church. They don't have a pastor currently, so the responsibility's falling on his shoulders and his team to run that Vietnamese church. The Vietnamese church um, uh, have their service at 2.30 p.m., so uh, we'll be going there this afternoon to minister at the Vietnamese church. We also had fellowship with them last night and shared the word of God with them uh, last night as well. So, um, and uh, over many years, we've uh, developed that friendship, and it's really good that Hugh's um, come and supporting us today uh, in this service as well. So just want to give honor to you as well, Hugh. Um, just a quick aside too, just a year ago, I actually wrote a couple of books. I don't want to be a big sales rep or anything like that. I simply wrote them to get the message of God further out. Um, I'm not trying to make a profit. I'm just trying to cover costs. They're 10 bucks each. Um, this one is my testimony. It's how I found God and got into God and, um, and, and the whole testimony of my life. And this one here is basically some messages that I wrote over the years and I put them into book form so that they can go further and wider. Already this book's gone to uh, 10 countries of the world. So that means that the Word of God's just getting out there somewhere. So if any of you are interested, just uh, come and talk to me later about that. The, uh, the final thing I want to say, uh, two, two things I want to say. First, I want to say also um, thank you to Pastor Seth and Debbie for the opportunity to come and preach here. Um, it's always a privilege to preach in anyone's pulpit. Never, ever take it for granted. It's an honor. It's a privilege. I'm here to serve you guys, and I just hope that 
you know, we can really leave a deposit of something that's going to lift your church and build your church and move you guys forward. So thank you for the privilege to come here. Uh, just one other thing I want to share with you, and then I need to get into preaching the word, is this, that um, uh, in June the 17th, I'm going to India to plant our third church over there. So we've actually planted two churches in India, um, and I'm going over there again. I'm really excited about it, and I just want to share that with you so that we can uh, have your prayers and you know your just support as we go over there to um, uh, establish that church. I'll be doing four gospel crusades in a village of Hindus that have never heard the gospel and um, expect that hundreds of people are going to come to know Christ and we're going to establish a church there right there in a village in India. So I'm looking forward to that, followed by two weeks in Uganda. So I noticed there's some African people here. And uh, I'm going to Uganda for two weeks as well to do some ministry there. So looking forward to that. Father God, I just thank you for the privilege it is to preach your word. I thank you that your word changes us from the inside out. And I pray, Lord, that you would be here by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak to people, that you would encourage people, that you would lift and build people up in their faith today. And we thank you that you're here with us in Jesus' name. Amen. We've all seen people and Christians who come in and they come into church, they're all excited, they're happy, they're, they're kind of like wanting to do everything and they get involved in all areas of church life and suddenly a few weeks later or a few months later, hello, where are they? There's nowhere, they're nowhere to be seen anymore. And, uh, you know, they start off with a hiss and a roar, but in the end they disappear and they're gone out the door. Or, or other people that just struggle in their Christian walk for month after month and year after year. They can't seem to get any traction in their life. They can't seem to move uh, out of where they are to where they want to be in God because of, you know, they just kind of weak on the inside. And, and, and maybe I could even be speaking to someone here today. Maybe you're one of those people and you're going, I just can't seem to get off first base. So I just kind of like keep going round and round the same old scenarios and I don't get any further in my Christian walk than when I started. You're feeling like you're a bit weak in your Christian walk, or you just don't quite have what you need to move you forward and lift you to the next level. Uh, maybe you're one of those people, maybe you're guilty of that, where you're like, man, you started off your Christian walk with a hiss and a roar, and suddenly, you know, you've pulled back, you've pulled out, you've kind of lowered your level again and settled into mediocrity rather than going all out for God like you really wanted to. And um, the thing I've learned in life is there, there are some keys to actually living a healthy, happy, satisfied Christian life. There's many, many keys, and I won't have time to talk about all the keys that there are, but today I want to talk about some of the keys that will help you sustain a happy, healthy Christian life. And that's the title of my message, by the way, A Happy, Healthy Christian life. You can see the picture on the screen there. That's exactly what God wants you to have, a happy, healthy Christian life. He doesn't want you to be struggling all through the days of your life. He doesn't want you to be uh, waking up in the morning and feeling like you can't achieve anything or you can't do anything constructive for God. He literally wants you to have this persona, not just on the outside, but on the inside, that your heart is full of peace, it's full of drive and passion because of who God uh, is and what he's done in your life. And I want to just give you some of those keys this morning of how you will sustain and grow a Christian life. Uh, key number one is this. We will have a happy uh, and healthy Christian life when we do the basics well. 
Sometimes we get on in our Christian walk and we learn all sorts of fancy things. But listen, if we don't do the basics well, we'll struggle forever. And I want to just remind you again uh, what the basics are. I I love King David and the the way he writes the Psalms, and he puts so much emotion and passion into the Psalms. Um, And often when we read them, we don't put the same passion in it. But I want to try and put a bit of passion into this verse as I read it to help you understand the emotion that King David had when he was writing the Psalms. Psalm 42, uh, verses 1 to 2a says this, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for you, the living God. You know, the thing is that it's God who gives us the desire to love and obey Him. That's one of the verses in Scripture. It is God who gives you the desire to love and obey Him. Some of us just need to ask God, give me that desire to hunger after you. Give me that desire to love you. But listen, you've got to do the basics well. Here's some of the basics you do. Read your Bible every day. We all get busy. We all have busy lives. We have things that encroach on our time. But the thing is, if you want to be a happy, healthy Christian, you've got to read your Bible regularly. And in this country, to be fair, there's no excuse. We've got written word. We've got verbal word. We've got things online. We can just do anything, and we can get the Word of God into us. On Auckland motorways, you've got no excuse. You're sitting in a car for 45 minutes or an hour. That's why I live in Napier. You know, we don't, we don't have to wait. And, uh, but you've got time to wait. Why don't you do something useful while you're waiting and put on the Word of God? while you're going to work. You know, just little habits that will help you uh, get your Christian walk active and happy. You know, when you read the Bible, you're actually supposed to read it, meditate it, and apply what you read. If all you're doing is reading it, it's not enough. You've got to apply what you read as well. So, you know, it's an interaction with God. We're serving a living God. So what we need to do before we read God's Word is say, God, the Holy Spirit, help me to understand your Word as I read it. And as I read this word, help it to become life to me and help me to learn something that I can apply today in my world. You see, the Bible's got to be applicable for everyday life. So listen, read the Bible, meditate on the scriptures you're reading and apply things that you're reading to your life. This is not, you know, something that's just theory. We've got to live out our Christian walk on a daily basis. The other thing is we pray. And uh, it's amazing how some people think prayer is just you talking to God. Do you know, true, actually healthy, mature Christian prayer is you talking to God and then you listening and actually being quiet and letting him talk back to you. Because actually God's living, he's real, and he wants to talk to you. So, So some of us are just so busy and we just talk so much, we don't even give God a chance to speak. And so if you want to do the basics well, I would encourage you to be a regular person of prayer, Talk to God, but give him some time where you just be quiet. You just listen, and you just let God download to you what he wants to say to you as well. That'll turn you into a happy, healthy Christian because now you're in a living relationship, not a one-sided relationship, a two-sided relationship, working together and enjoying relationship together. Another thing you can do to do the basics well is go to church regularly. Hey, I give you all a tick this morning. You've all passed the test. You're here in church in the house of God. Make it a regular commitment to fellowship together and celebrate 
who God is in your life with other believers. It's really, really important. Um, and another thing we've done today in church is worship God. Don't just worship God in church. Go home and put on some worship music. You've got podcasts, you've got YouTube, you've got all sorts of things that you can listen to, iTunes, all of that. There's worship music that you can just listen to and get lost in God and let him speak to you afresh. Listen, you just do all of these things and these basics well, and suddenly your Christian walk goes from boring to mundane to just surviving to suddenly you're in a, in a living, interactive relationship with God. And that's where we all need to live. God is not into religion. He's into a relationship that's full of spark and energy as we live out our days. Uh, key number two is that if we want to have a happy and healthy, sustained Christian life, we've got to understand that God has to be the source of our life. Lots of times in our lives, other people and other things are the source, not God. But actually, God wants to be the source. Uh, Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Don't you know anything? This is from the message translation, by the way. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out, young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. What a great reminder and encouragement from God's word that in the end, you and I can't do this thing called Christianity without God. We need him in every part of our world. Um, you know, I've traveled uh, on mission trips actually for the last 16 years. I've gone for a month every year for the last 16 years. I've had the privilege of going to Uganda three times before, and this will be my fourth trip this year. And last time I went to Uganda, my pastor friend over there took me to the source of the Nile River which was really incredible. We had a, a day off from ministry. We were able to drive to the source of the Nile River. And uh, let me just tell you about the Nile River for a minute. It's, um, it's called Lake Victoria at the beginning of it. It's a huge, huge lake, bigger than Lake Taupo, 68,800 kilometers squared, one massive, massive lake. It's part of the Nile River. It's called Lake Victoria. When you fly into Uganda, you fly right over Lake Victoria. It's absolutely stunning when you land there. The Nile River is 6,853 kilometers long, and it passes through and gives life to 11 countries, Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Kenya, Ethiopia, Eritrea, South Sudan, Sudan, and Egypt. But it all started from the source. And I got to go to the source, and, and really what it is, is right in Lake Victoria, there's a, a bubbling uh, pool coming up from underground, and it actually bubbles up onto the surface of the lake, and they've actually figured out that right down under the ground, that is the source of the Nile River. 
And everything that happens for all of the blessing, all of the provision, all the things that happen for those 11 countries, over 6,800 kilometers, all started with the source. You know, what I'm trying to get to is that the source in our life has to be God. Absolutely has to be God. Not things, not people, not money, nothing else, just God. Do you know that he's supposed to be the source of your value, your identity, your worth, your self-esteem, your protection, your provision? He's the source, not your job, not your money, not somebody else. He's the source. And if you don't uh, get that right in your basic Christianity, you will struggle to be fulfilled and happy as a Christian. Listen, money will not fulfill you. Things won't fulfill you. They won't give you lasting joy and peace. If you don't have Jesus Christ as the source of your life, listen, you won't be fulfilled. I'll tell you right now. You want to be fulfilled? Make sure that Jesus Christ is the source of your life. Number three, another key that I want to tell you is this, that um, you want to have a happy and healthy Christian life. You've got to know how much you've been forgiven. Some of us have been Christians that long, we've forgotten what God forgave us for. Some of us are new Christians and we actually remember, whoa, God, you forgave me for that? And when you actually appreciate how much God forgave you, there's a joy that rises up in your spirit again as you go, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. We're told um, in Luke 7, 41 to 47, uh, then Jesus told the story. Jesus was a master of telling stories, parables. He told this story. He said, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. You see, what I want to remind you about today is, what, why don't you go back to God this morning just afresh, as I'm speaking, just start to remember again how much God forgave you for. You know, and sometimes we just take that for granted, and I want you to remember again and go, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me for all the things I've ever done wrong. You see, when we have that perspective, suddenly we go out of boring Christianity. We go back into being at peace and happy and excited again because, wow, we've been forgiven for everything we've ever done wrong. You know, the thing is we've also got to forgive other people. Um, you don't get far in your Christian walk if you hold grudges against people. Listen, you just don't. Um, if, you're, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, definitely buy this. My testimony is all about having to forgive some really horrible uh, things that people uh, that where horrible things happen in my life. You know, um, 
uh, one, just one of the things that happened in my life is I got kidnapped. People don't realise that. It happened right here in Auckland. And I had to go through a whole lot, year, many years of having to forgive the person that kidnapped me. Um, there's a whole story of forgiveness in my life. I would not be standing here before you if I had not learned to forgive. Listen, you've got to forgive everybody who's ever hurt you. Come on, Jesus forgave you. Can't you forgive everybody else? He forgave you and I for everything we've done wrong. Surely we can forgive other people. Um, there's a little story told, and this guy, Thomas uh, Borge, I don't know how to say his name. Our South, our South African people would know how to say it. <coughs> Thomas Borge or something, <clears throat> was a leader in the struggle against the totalitarian regime that had dominated his country, Nicaragua. During the revolution, Borge was captured and put in prison. While there, he was subjected to the most extreme torture for over 500 hours. After the revolution, Borge was freed and became the minister of the interior. One day, he found one of his torturers in jail. He walked up to this man who had inflicted such terrible, relentless, and brutal pain upon him and said, I'm going to get my revenge from you. He then held out his hand and said, this is my revenge, I forgive you. That's a true story, by the way. And I get inspired by stories like that, where people have had horrendous, difficult things happen to them, but they've been big enough in their Christian walk to trust God that by holding his hand and partnering together with him, they can let it go and move on. Listen, you want to be happy and healthy in your Christian walk, don't hold on forgiveness. Please, let it go and give it to God. And number four this morning, we will have and sustain a happy and healthy Christian life when we remember the why behind the what. You know, um, Proverbs 29, 18 in the Amplified Version says, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people will perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. You know, the what is, is what you're doing. Like you came to church this morning. What are you doing? You're coming to church. You're evangelizing. You're discipling. You're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're giving offerings and financial contribution into the local church. That's what you're doing, but why are you doing it? Some of us have got to remember again why we're doing it. Is it just a religious duty? Is it just something we do because that's what we've been taught we have to do? No, no, no. Let's take it back a little bit and think about why we do these things. The why is actually more important than the what. Because you've got to actually think about the motive and the reason why you do things. It's the motive, the internal driver, the reason, the purpose, the thing that pushes you to do those things. There's nothing to the what without the why. Uh, so what, why do people do what we do? You see, I just lead worship. No, 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 no. No, he's leading people into the presence of God. That's why he does it. You see, um, the children's workers looking after your kids right there, I'm just going out to look after the kids. No, 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 no. I'm investing into the children so that they can rise up and fulfill their God-given calling in their lifetime. You see, um, why am I running the youth group? I'm just running the youth ministry. I'm just working with teenagers. No, 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 no. 
you're raising the next generation of kingdom influences. You know, um, you're allowing people to be in meaningful relationships. That's why you run a small group. You see, if we just do the what, we're not going to be fulfilled and happy. There's nothing inspirational about the what. You get tired doing the what sometimes. But if you think again about the why, it'll motivate you. It'll make you happy and fulfilled again. Hey, I've been serving God so many years, but I now have a freshness in my spirit because I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And the final thought this morning is this. Uh, We will have and sustain a happy and healthy Christian life when we have a family mentality. This is quite an important one because a lot of us have been brought up in broken families in this country now. And I was talking with Hugh uh, last night and, um, you know, we were talking about how sad it is that over our lifetime we've seen uh, the family unit quite together to now the dysfunction in family units all across this nation, multiple partners, multiple marriages, kids left, right, and center. They don't know who's their father, who's their mother. It's just a chaos. And um, we were talking about how, you know, we go to the eastern part of the world, and all of them want to be like the West. And we're going, no, 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 don't be like the West. You don't want to be like us because we're losing our sense of values and family. And, uh, you know, so it's so important that we understand that when God calls you to be part of a church family, He literally wants you to connect like family. Now, for some of you, that'll be absolutely foreign because you don't even know what a family is. But we've got to work hard and be intentional about becoming family. Romans 8, 14 to 17a says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Here we're taught that we are children of God. I don't know about you, but that makes me pretty excited. I'm a child of God, the creator of the universe. I'm his child. That's exciting. And and we use this terminology, child of God. But uh, the the other term that's used is is the son of God. And so some of you women might think, well, I don't want to be called a son of God. I'm I'm a woman. I don't want to be a son of God. It's just the terminology. It's inclusive of men and women. When he talks about being a child of God or a son of God, he's talking about all of us. You know, it's just as bad when us men have to be labeled the bride of Christ. You know, so sometimes it's just we get all hung up on the bride of Christ rather than understanding the concept and the principle that we're supposed to be the family of God. That's the whole point. Um, in, in the kingdom of God, there's a huge difference, by the way, between, between being a son or a servant. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. In his church, you can be a son or a servant. Think about how you serve God in your local church and in the kingdom. Do you serve as a servant or do you serve as a son? This is a very important question that we need to answer, ask ourselves and answer. A servant simply serves, but a son serves better. A servant serves based on instruction given, 
A son serves based on shared identity and purpose with the father. A son serves from the depth of the relationship he has with the father, so communicates not just obedience, but the heart of the father. A son does not serve by compulsion, but by choice. Therefore, by love, giving a higher level of quality to the service. A servant has to serve to earn his keep. A son serves because he has rights to everything that the father has. A son comes with an inherent, unconditional blessing because they're part of the family. Therefore, a son is blessed simply because they're a son, not because they done any, do anything or, or achieve anything. Simply as a son, you have the blessing of being part of the family of God. Only a son is capable of a labor of love. Other people, servants do it by a labor of compulsion, for rewards, for relevance, for promotion, but a son does it simply because they're a son. Um, a very important uh, question we need to ask ourselves, am I a son or a servant in God's kingdom? And in my local church, am I a son or a servant? Sons build the house, servants simply serve in the house. You see, a son will actually build the house. You're not just here to do a job. You're here to build and lift and encourage so that the atmosphere changes, so that people connect with God. You've got a purpose for being here. You're about the Father's business. You're building family business, the church. So everything we do has to be about that. Um, a servant says, I'm just the church attender. But a son says, I'll do whatever it takes to get whatever needs to be done, done, because this is the family business. Sons are sent, servants just went. Sons are family-orientated, servants are issue or ministry-orientated. Servants will split the family over disagreements. Servants will attempt to draw people away to his or her side. Sons, on the other hand, are interested in the father's agenda, not doing their own thing. Sons are privilege-orientated, servants are rights-orientated. I want my rights. That's unfair, it's unjust, that's my right. That's a servant, that's not a son. Sons use the language of the family. Servants or hirelings use individual terminology. You see, we've got to think broader and bigger about what family is. Church family is us linking together and partnering together as the family of God, working together to build the church because this is the family business. This is God's church, and we're in it to work together. Um, in a crisis, sons bail water while servants bail out. That's the truth. You always see as a pastor who's really with you when a little bit of crisis comes because the servants, they're gone, but the sons remain and they help you and continue to help build the church. Sons are secure in their relationship with the father and can focus on the needs of others within the house. Sons are teachable and are growing into their full potential Servants come into the house fully grown, unwilling to receive or learn something new. Servants cannot be taught much, but feel they should be doing the teaching. Interesting. Sons want to get things right. Servants just want to be right. Sons serve with joy. Servants serve with a sense of duty. Sons serve out of devotion. Servants serve out of obligation. You know, and as I bring this message to a close, I just want to tell you a story 
that will really cement what I'm talking to you about, about this family mentality. A farmhand had worked for a married couple for several years. As time went on, the couple grew older and slower, and the farmhand had to do more. They couldn't do as much as they used to do, and the farm was beginning to look a little shabby and run down. The paint on the barn was sort of peeling off. The fences had holes in them. The slats were loose. The gravel road had potholes in it. Shingles on top of the farmhouse were beaten and weathered and needed replacing. But as the farmhand made his way to milk the cows each day, he thought, I don't really care. It's not my farm. I'll just get on and do milk the cows and I'll just go home again. Didn't really mean much to him when he saw all of that going on. One day, uh, the farmer and his wife decided they would call the farmhand in for a meal at the farmhouse. They didn't have any children of their own, so they felt like, you know, this, this farmhand has become like a son to us, and, and we're going to invite him as a son into our house to have a meal with us. They were, you know, at retirement age and getting older, and, and they really wanted to just uh, share some things with him. Um, they told him after the dinner that, that they didn't have any children that could inherit the farm, so they wanted to give him the farm when they died. Um, this was big news to the farmhand, who was from a poor family, had never thought he'd have anything in his lifetime. Suddenly, he's been given a farm when this old couple die. Interesting how that changed his mentality. The next day, he woke up and he was going to the farm uh, to milk the cows, and he noticed the barn needed a paint. He goes, hmm, I can see the, the paint's peeling off that barn. Uh, I think I'd better get busy and paint that and give it a fresh coat of paint. Uh, a few days later, he had painted the barn and fixed the fence. The next few weeks, he fixed the roof on the farmhouse and put new gravel on the road. What made the difference in his attitude? He was now an heir. He was a son and had the blessing and privilege of the inheritance of a son. And because of that, he treated the farm in a different way, not as a servant, but as a son. You see, what God wants you and I to do is to treat his family like we're a son, to, to treasure the church, to love the church, to, to do our part to build the church, not for Pastor Seth and Debbie. Yes, that you do it for them, but not primarily for them. You do it for God. He's the business we're building. It's about his kingdom and his glory and his name and his fame. And as we go about serving God, uh, I just want to encourage you to be people that really adopt that family mentality. This morning I've talked to you about five different keys. There's lots of other keys we could have, but those are the keys I felt to talk to you about this morning. And listen, if, it's, if, it's, um, if you've been stagnant in your Christian walk, if you've been sort of like at maintenance mode, not really moving, I'm hoping and praying that something I've talked about this morning would excite you in your heart and you'd start to go, maybe, just maybe, I could have some excitement in my Christian walk again. You know, God's heart for you is that you would be fulfilled, you would be happy, you would be satisfied, 
and I'm a big believer. In fact, it's, uh, it's the verse that, that uh, at the front of this book, I'm a huge believer in John 10.10. 10. It's one of my life verses. Jesus came that you would have life and life abundantly. That's his plan for your life and mine. Let's not settle for second best. Let's bow our heads in prayer for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Uh, maybe there's things there. Now, you may not be familiar with doing this, and, and so I'm a guest speaker here, and, and, but I'll do it the way I do it at my church. Uh, and if you can respond that way, that would be fantastic. Because I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to point out that you know, this is why you're responding. But I've talked about five different things this morning. Maybe God's speaking to you about some of that. Just If that's you, just stand to your feet. And by standing, you're saying, God, you're, you're challenging me on one of these points. You know, just stand quickly right where you're sitting. Just stand to your feet if God's speaking to you about one of those things. Those things that, that would help move your Christian walk forward. Just quickly, if that's you, just quickly stand. Maybe you haven't been doing the basics well and God's challenging you. Come on, get the basics right. Get this relationship with God in a fresh traction. Maybe, you know, you've looked at other things as the source of your life rather than God. This is a chance to stand and acknowledge that before God. I want to put you as the source. You know, there's other things I've talked about. Is there anyone else that wants to respond? I'm going to pray for those that are standing, but I need you to respond if that's what you in your heart. Let me just pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I want to pray for every person standing. I thank you for the power of your word to change us from the inside out to make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God that wants to encourage us and lift us in our Christian walk. Um, and the purpose of, Lord, our response is that we want to draw closer to you. And I pray for, you, you know each one that's standing individually and personally, and you know what they're responding to. Lord, uh, whether it's they need to get the basics right, I pray that those people that are standing for that that, Lord, they would make it in a commitment to you this morning, that they would begin to have an adventure and a, relation, a relationship with you by doing the basics well, not out of duty or obligation, but out of a deep love relationship with God. I pray you just uh, help them to put the disciplines in place to make sure that they're doing the basics well on a consistent basis. Lord, for those that uh, have been... Uh, Lord, maybe they haven't really understood their purpose. They've been doing the what, and they've been serving faithfully, but they actually don't know why they've been doing it. And this morning, you've, you've started to speak to them again about why they're doing what they do. I pray that you'd birth something, a freshness in their spirit, put a fresh passion and zeal in their heart to serve you uh, from the depth of their heart, uh, Lord, out of a love for you and your work. And I just pray that, Lord, that you would give them fresh dreams as they think about the why and, and that you'd give them fresh motivation to serve you freely in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the, what the, the word about speaking about becoming a son rather than a servant. Lord, forgive us for uh, being a servant and only being a servant. Lord, we thank you that we're children of God. We thank you that we're your sons. And we, Lord, want to be your sons. It's a privileged position. And in your kingdom and in our local church, help us to be sons, not servants. Help us to build God's business, the church, 
on this earth that would give you glory and honor and fame. Lord, for those that are struggling with forgiveness and, and have issues with, towards people, Lord, deep trauma or deep pain that's happened in their life that causes them to just uh, hold unforgiveness, I pray, Lord, that you'd give them the courage to forgive, that they would remember what they've been forgiven for and they would forgive willingly and easily. Lord, some of this stuff is hard to do, but I pray that you'd hold their hand, they'd feel your tangible presence as they, Lord, seek your face to be able to release forgiveness. In their own strength, they can't do it, but with you by their side, they can do it. And I pray you give them the courage to let it go and hand those people over to you, that they can be free in their spirit. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of all these people, and I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated.